Hi, Julie. Hello, Nancy. Good to see you. You also. People don't realize we don't see each other sometimes for weeks I at know. a time, and it's always so much fun to get back together. <laughs> and today we've we've talked about this for months and months that we wanted to have an epi- we want to have an episode on performance artists and athletes and how the pressures of uh, these professions can be affected by mental health. And we finally found the perfect guest for this conversation. Coco Alvarez Mena is a ballet dancer with one of the most premier dance companies in the world today, the Joffrey Ballet. She is a Cuban-American that trained at the Herrick Conservatory for High School and went on to earn her BFA in, at, uh, in dance at the University of Southern California. In 2019, Coco joined the Oregon Ballet Theater and then the Joffrey in 2022. Just this past December, she completed her master's in sport coaching through West Virginia University and has since started an internship with Millennium Counseling Center's Sport and Performance Wellness Division in Chicago. Welcome, Coco. Hi. Thank you. Thrilled to have you here. I'm thrilled. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for thinking of me and inviting me. This is great. Well, something that something that I have not talked about on this podcast is that another passion aside from mental health, huge passion of mine, is ballet. And I am a huge enthusiast. I have gone to the Joffrey for years and, and other ballets, but this happened. We're so lucky to have it in Chicago. And uh, I go to every everything that they have there for, for years, as I said. And I just saw last week Anna Karenina, which was a stunning performance. And so, Coco, I saw you before you met me today. Yeah. Watching her fly, <laughs> across, f- fly across the stage oh. in grace with your smile. I mean, it looks like you don't have a care in the world. But I guess we're here to talk about mental health. Yeah. So you must yeah. have a care. There are some cares happening behind yes. the smile. Yes. That's interesting because when you think of athletes, do you refer to yourself as an athlete? Yes. I always struggle with that question because I, I do, but there's artistry involved. So yes. it's a little bit more subjective. It's not like I have to, athletes usually have to reach a goal or get a certain score, et cetera. So I would consider myself an athlete, but it's just an artistic athlete maybe. Yeah. Ooh, I like that <laughs> And definition. it's not so much a sport, a ballet. It's more of performance art. Yeah. Correct. It's not, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I would say it's, it's a it's, little different as physically demanding as a sport but to be honest sure. I've never actually been on a sports team so I can't really speak of that but from what I know it's it seems like it's the amount of dedication and physical training and mental training it takes it's similar to a sport but yeah you have the artistry element where like you have to make it all look easy versus yeah. if you're a athlete you can grunt and moan and whatever and as oh, long as you accomplish true. the goal you're good but yeah. ballet you have to smile and make everything yeah. look like it's Fluid. no problem well, you have all of these these role models in performance arts and sports, you know, coming out more and more to tell their story about mental health, the stigma, you know, trying to bust through the stigma and um, speak out. And we're just so happy to have you here. You're one of those, and want to yeah. hear want to hear your Which, story oh, and you. how you got there, how you got here. Yeah, tell us um, how you the whole yeah. the whole spiel, <laughs> all of it. Um, yeah, so I I started dancing when I was young like everyone does and I just knew from a pretty young age that that's what I wanted to do professionally so um, as you said in my bio I decided to go to a performing arts high school like a boarding school for a training and then from there I may you have to make the decision college no college and that is sometimes difficult for classical ballet dancers but I decided to take the college route 
And while I was in college, that was, I think that actual decision of deciding to go to college while still wanting to pursue a professional ballet career is where my mental training or my mental journey started because it was difficult for me to have both goals of wanting to get a college education and a normal college experience like socially and meet other yeah, people right. while working towards such a big goal that is you have to be at the right place at the right time like it's effort but there's so many other factors that go into being selected to make it at that high level in ballet so around my junior year I mentally was <laughs> my mom likes to say I was circling the drain which is so dramatic but <laughs> it's a good description she, yeah she, I like that she says that she's like I was deteriorating I was I was freaking myself out I was saying I only have two years left of school and then I have to get a job and what if when I graduate I'm gonna go to like when usually in ballet you'll graduate from high school and then you'll go to like a trainee program or a second company before you enter the main company mm -hmm. so I was nervous I just wasted four years and then I'm going to be back where I was four years ago at like a trainee program like I wanted that like corps de ballet spot so there was just so much in my mind holding me back of like what if what if what if what if I fail what if I mm -hmm. have a degree in dance and don't get a job like there was just or what if my friends like were right like going to college was the wrong decision because at the time my teachers and my friends were like why are you going to college like you're throwing your career away which is crazy because most people go to college right. to Stay advance their career, but it's still like there's a stigma against college dance programs. It's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah I didn't know that either. It was so crazy. I was the only one from my high school class that went to college. So wow. it was a risk. So once I had to get closer to the graduation date of actually putting it to the test, you know, if I would get a job, if that was the right decision, it, I was really struggling and it was affecting my performance. I was not performing as well as I could have, like even my happiness. I was not happy. I was incredibly stressed. I was depressed. Like, like my family, my friends were like, you need to deal with this. Like there's more than that you need to be doing than just the, the ballet training. So that's when my mom, of course, my mother's always right. She like looked up a sports therapist for me to talk to. Oh, wow. and, and I started speaking to my performance coach who I've been speaking to. For and this years. is when you were a junior? Is this around the same I, time? I think this was the, the summer between junior and senior year. Because, yeah, I remember I went to like a summer intensive um, in the summer between those two years. And I was probably the oldest dancer at that intensive because I was in college. And most of those kids are in high school that go to these intensives in the hopes of joining that company it was for the Washington Ballet it was like their summer program and although I was one of the oldest I got placed in like the second to highest level so there were kids who were younger than me that were in the level above me and I freaked out yeah, so I had hard. all of it I was so overwhelmed and and that's when it was just obvious that my mentality was getting in my way like that's the reason why I didn't get placed in the higher level. Now looking back, I know that like I was so in my own way, and it wasn't physical. It was well, it was physical, but due to the mental aspect of it that I was just ignoring and like shoving underneath, thinking like I was weak. I was weak. I don't. I don't need to. I shouldn't have to talk to somebody to just. I just need to work harder. That's all I need to do. So then my mom was like, "No, you need to speak to somebody." And within even just six months, like my training my performance everything was so different and I was like this this works wow that's, yeah that's a good endorsement for that kind of yeah <laughs> yeah it yeah. really paid off it's it's interesting you say that because we've had on past guests that talk about perfectionism mm -hmm. and I didn't even know that was like part of mental health I never thought about it but 
you hold yourself to such a high regard mm -hmm. that you're always trying to keep up to them. Oh, yeah. And especially like I had mentioned, I think before we started recording that in ballet, you have to do everything, look perfect while making it look easy mm -hmm. and not showing any effort and not showing like there's so much physically involved, but then you have to be artistic on top of it. So you have to make it look like, yeah, that was and that smiling was and smiling. I mean, it looks yeah. like everyone is just happy and it comes so naturally and, mm -hmm. you know. And it's now it's much more of a conversation. But like growing up and during my training, you didn't really talk about that with your friends. Like if you were struggling, you kept it to yourself. You were like, yeah, I'm having a hard day, but everybody's having a hard day. Like it, today is a hard class for everybody. Like you're no different. Right. Why do you need to have special like attention just because it's hard? Yeah, it's hard. I remember the motto for my high school was the work is hard. Do the work. <laughs> it was like, OK, oh, so wow. it's intense and it it's is. Demanding. But but. Of course, that sentiment was probably only regarding the physical aspect, which now I look at it, I'm like, that should have been a mental element there, too, because there's mental work to be done to mm -hmm. accomplish the physical. But that's never really how it's perceived. So when you were really young um, dancing, you know, like mm -hmm. even uh, I'm thinking middle school, I mean, before high school, did you have stress going to ballet class? Did you always, even though you loved it, obviously, to go into it, did you... Do you remember even the stress or anxiety of it as a young kid? No, I really don't. And thinking back, it's crazy because when I decided I was training in middle school and I just loved to do it. And I, I didn't do just ballet until high school. So I did a lot of ballet, but I did jazz. I did contemporary. I did hip hop. I did everything. I just loved to dance. I mean, I still do. But it was just so fun. And there was also the social element of it. Like all my best friends were at my dance studio with me and all that stuff. And then when I decided to go to the boarding high school and take it more seriously it wasn't really a big decision for me I just was like oh I, I'll audition let's see what happens I got in okay I'm going it was harder for my parents to be like this is a big deal like you're gonna you to move go away, away yeah, I was thinking that that would be so scary it's yeah but I, I wasn't scared age. like at the time I was like wow. oh like yeah duh I want to do this and I got in so I'm gonna go like it was just so was it far away too well, no, for me, it was actually, I was really close. It was in Boca Raton, Florida, and mm -hmm. I grew up in Miami, so it was like two and a half hours oh, away. Okay. But there were kids in my class that came from Italy and Japan and oh, Brazil wow. and wow. everywhere. So at the age of 14, like a lot of us, like I got to see my parents a lot, luckily, yeah. but they moved away from home and didn't see them for like a whole year. Wow. Yeah. But at the time, I, it was it was just fun. It was so even that high school wasn't highly pressured. It was still fun, and it was... Oh, no. When I got to the high school, it became pressured. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it was up until I then it was fun, but yeah. that school was... Yeah. I mean, as most ballet schools are, and I'm so grateful for that school. I would not be here today without that. The training I got there was what I needed. Like, of course, yes, you talk about the mental training, and that's huge, but you obviously need the physical training and that sort of regimen. So it was intense, and there was a lot of competition and other dancers did struggle with mental health for sure and body issues and all that that goes along with yeah it. i was going to ask you that when you so mm -hmm. when you start to get in the more intensive side of it when you're going to the boarding school and or after that mm -hmm. did anyone ever talk to you about that like it's it's going to start to mess with your head a little you no. prepare i was wondering if they kind of on the same line do they ha did they have let's say in those high school years any kind of informational I don't know if you'd say a course but did they offer the option saying sometimes you might need counseling of some sort or no 
did they have any of that aspect of I wonder if they do now I mean I know I, I feel wonder. like I wonder because the conversation really is changing yeah and I hope they do and it's and a responsibility really yeah to just keep kids in check with body image mm-hmm. and yeah and uh the competitive spirit and anxiety and understanding people have anxiety yeah so I wonder just yeah because in ballet I mean obviously you have to have a certain aesthetic to be able to achieve what you need to achieve physically like you need to have a certain figure and body type in order to be physically successful but the issue with that growing up is that that's not really explained it's just kind of like visually aesthetically pleasing is like Mm -hmm. what you think that they're striving for and then also once they're very cautious about in general in the ballet world like there is attention towards that so if they see somebody struggling if they see somebody that has an issue with that they will address it they'll be like you need help but it's a little too late at that point like i feel like there needs to be more conversation around like with a warning like you said like be careful this could get to you but at least when i was growing up and in training it that wasn't nearly as much of a conversation it was kind of at that time like okay we see you you do have a problem you need help we're going to make sure you get that help but it could have been avoided i think right if they could have just prepared you a little bit, then you could yeah. recognize it and know I need some type of intervention. Yeah. And I think that's just a problem with ballet across the board, like in any sort of intense training environment with ballet. And I mean, that's why I find this so exciting for me, because I want to be able to have that advocacy and, and yeah. spread awareness so for like, if we know about this, we can avoid this because I had so many of my close friends from that high school and from college and just all my dance training wherever I was amazingly talented dancers that were way more talented than I am or I had more work ethic, all those things, but they didn't make it because mentally they couldn't couldn't take it. It got too much or they struggled with an eating disorder or they were traumatized or like so many things happened that they just ended up falling through the cracks and they weren't as successful as I think they could have been if they had had that mental aspect of somebody like Support counseling system. them. Yeah, and being able to talk through everything that it takes because it's a lot. And yeah. to know they're not alone, maybe, too. Exactly. Because it's like a secret. Is it still a secret? Oh, yeah. Well, I remember yeah. in And it's also com- competitive. You kind oh, of think, yeah. I, you know, you have to stay ahead of the game and the next and the person next to you. Oh, and yeah. you feel like if I say something, it might put me a step behind. Oh, yeah. And I, I that was my big thing, why I didn't want to start speaking to anybody, speaking to my therapist, was because um, the girl in college that I always admired and looked up to her, um, my thought was, well, she doesn't need a therapist. Like, why do I like she's she's doing this without a problem? Why should I? I'm like, I should be that strong that I should be able to do it, too. And then funnily enough, I found out she had a therapist the whole time. <laughs> I was I was kind of guessing and that before like, you yeah. thinking. Who yeah. Knows. And how old were you at that time? This was I was 21. Oh, okay. yeah. This was like right so, when my mom was like, you need to speak to somebody. And I was like, but blah, blah, blah. Susie doesn't need to speak to anyone. Right. And she's doing amazingly. And then I found out. Yeah, she, she had been. Fun. That's why she's doing amazingly. <laughs> so you you're lucky you have a mother who sounds like she's really um aware and proactive yeah, yeah. about, you know, some parents would be like, "Wait, they might need a therapist?" you know, instead yeah. of you need a therapist. And um yeah. it sounds like she was real she is really on target with this and um yeah. in the know. So it's so great that she pulled you into that. Oh my gosh, yes. What would you say someone listening you know this is the beauty of the podcast of listeners listening to this like i've never heard someone speak about this yeah what would you say to the 20 something or even high school student or or even someone who's now a professional on a professional 
in a professional dance company like yourself to reach out and start speaking out for themselves if no one's there like your mother. Yeah, I mean, I would tell them that more people have therapists than you think and more people more people are working on their mental training than you think and that it's equally in my opinion equally as important as the physical like we show up to ballet class every day we do our plies we do our tendus everything like clockwork train like crazy but so why don't we do the same for our mental state like why don't we treat our anxiety why don't we treat our depression or our insecurities like it's the same thing like it's a muscle you have to work Absolutely. the same muscle and and i think the mind body connection is incredible so if that's if there's a disconnect there you're never going to achieve the physical things you want to achieve if you can't hone in on your mental state so that's what i would tell them just just try it and also i would tell them that you have to find the right fit like i think um finding a therapist is like it's not an easy feat. You have to find somebody that you connect with. It's not going to be the first person you talk to. Because I've had some people that have tried it and they're like, well, I, d- I just didn't connect with them. I didn't mm-hmm. like it. I don't think it's for me, which maybe it's not. Okay, but you, I think you need to give it a fair shot and try, um, try to, to find, find the person. right person for It's like you. a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and is this, um, it's kind of a new field in mental health, isn't it, for this um for this kind of, uh, what, do you, what do you call performance wellness. I love that yeah. term, yeah. performance wellness. The first time I really heard that term was reading about you. And I thought, oh, that's really a, a feel-good. Yeah. So in that area of mental health, I mean, I, I feel like people um, years ago, maybe yourself as a high, young high schooler, would have just gone to a therapist. Mm-hmm. Did this even exist? You know, yeah. this. I mean, I remember... In college, I did. I, I feel like I think it was my sophomore year. I spoke to a therapist briefly, and she was an elderly woman who never danced. And just, she was just a general therapist, you know, and I didn't enjoy going. I was like, I'm not going. I went probably twice, and I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. So then when my, like, year and a half later or so, my mom was like, no, you need to speak to someone. She researched specifically sports performance therapists. And I think it makes a big difference. Oh, and I, I think that. Now it is becoming more prevalent because there is more conversation around it, um, which I love. And that's why, like, I it's similar, like athletes and and dancers. But like, I'm obviously more invested in the dance aspect because I'm a dancer. But I think all athletes should have that. And it is, I think, more common for athletes than it is for dancers at the moment, which hopefully that starts to blend a little bit more because I think we deserve the same resources. But yeah, yeah. I can I can only imagine um, thinking back during the pandemic, and this is because I have a connection to the Joffrey and knew what was going on during then, that all of a sudden all the performances are canceled for at least a year. And thinking, I know that you each had a special flooring Mm -hmm. to practice on. And I mean, that must have really been a mind trip that thinking, when is this going to end? And this is my profession. And and I'm practicing in my living room. Um, that must have been scary. It was horrible. And I was lucky because I had just graduated that May before and I had gotten my job with Oregon Ballet Theater. I was in the quarter ballet. So I was feeling good that I had had a job and a lot of dancers I knew were auditioning right at that moment. So they like there were no jobs to give. So at yeah. least I had a job, but it stopped like we stopped dancing, stopped rehearsing and, and we didn't know when we were going to come back. And my mentality was okay, I went to college, I already started my professional career late for a dancer, right? And then you can only dance till a certain age, you can't dance when you're 60. So it's already limited. 
And then I was like, when I'm just wasting away like these prime years. And at the same time, you're like, I want to stay on top of my game for whenever we do come back. Because it could be tomorrow. It could be in right. two years. We didn't know. So I'm also really lucky that I had already been talking to somebody and I already had that resource in my life, my therapist, because trying to find one at that point was really, I mean, not just for dancers or athletes. Yeah, anyway, oh, yeah. It was yeah. like a crazy surge of trying to mm -hmm. find somebody to talk to. So I was lucky. And obviously I, I called her a lot more frequently <laughs> during that time. But it was stressful. It was definitely the unknown was really hard. And the like dedication to stay training alone in your kitchen. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I was thinking that, that now, you're, now you're by yourself and you have no coaches or instructors yeah. or anyone. It's just you. It's all on you. And nothing to work towards. Like usually, True. like when you're in a professional company, you have to do the work yourself. There's not somebody on top of you. Like, did you do your exercises today? Did you rehearse your, your variation today? Like that doesn't happen. But you know you have a performance in two weeks and you're going to have to be on stage doing this role. But without that, it's like, well, why am I staying what is the motivation here? And right. So right. That was hard. I think it's interesting that you pointed out um, about athletics because I think when we think about people in athletics, we, we think about them, um, you know, striving to be the best all the time. Basketball and football and swimming and, and I mean, <laughs> so Michael on Phelps. and so forth. And, and we never... We never consider dancers, and I know I know there's it's a crossover, but nonetheless, I don't think people really understand the time, the dedication it takes to be at the level that yeah. you're at. Yeah, I think it's just a less common field, and also like not underappreciated, but there's less of an audience than there is for ballet than there is for football and sure. basketball and all of everything like that. But I also love learning about like their mental journey because they take like. They, I feel like recently there's been a lot of media about it and yes. attention yeah. towards it. And I like all those Netflix documentaries and everything like that. I love watching it because also I think I can benefit from it. Oh, Learning their mental tools crosses over to what I do. And mm -hmm. yeah, and I, I think that I love to see that that conversation is increasing in the athletics and industry. it's and think of all the people listening that are either in that field or not just having their role models if they just admire someone who's yeah. speaking out mm -hmm. and they are not a like michael phelps they're not a an olympic olympic swimmer but they idolize this guy for some reason and they have depression yeah. it's just um it helps on every level it's such a it's such a when these when these people like yourself speak out it just is such a gift to those listening that have some sort of relation to the, either the, the mental illness side of it or the field. Right. Yeah. I mean, thank you. I mean, I, I hope that m me even being willing to be open about my story and vulnerable, it's like, hopefully it'll help some younger dancer or even like when I spoke out about it in college, I did my whole senior project about it. And since then it's been nice to have like some of my professors um, will reach out to me and say, hey, we have a student that's going through a hard oh. time. Like, oh, if you could so talk to nice. them or or let them know, like, what you went through. It's just, like, I, I'm happy to share because I think that people don't realize that it's... Mm -hmm. and, and also, I always say, I would not be here dancing for the Joffrey if I hadn't gone through my mental training and really put in the work. Like, just as much as I went to the gym and took ballet class and showed up at rehearsal, I had to carve out time to speak to my therapist and to, like practice the mental tools on my own and not just like call her whenever there was emergency it's work you have to do when you're in the studio and something bad happens and you're about to have an anxiety attack you have to you know you have tools that you need to yeah. use so 
I hope that it's helpful to somebody and I hope that it continues because I, I, I look back on my friends that didn't quite achieve their ballet dreams because of that. And it makes me sad. It's like they, it really could have been so incredible. And I think that they weren't given the resources they needed or the conversation they needed or like the, the willingness to say, it's okay that you're not yeah, okay. Right. And then here to top it off, you're going into that field. I mean, getting your master's in this kind of therapy is um, fantastic. I don't know how you do that once again. How <laughs> someone how has time, how you I have know. time to be a, a, a professional dancer of ballet and get your master's in well, this counseling. The good thing was I started that during COVID when the oh, pandemic no. and I was like, okay, I have a lot of free time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I did Smart. ballet in my kitchen every day, but I didn't have four hours of rehearsal like I usually do or whatever. So I was like, I have a BFA. Like, I can go on and start something else. Cause I, and at that point, I already knew I, I wanted to work in this field. Like I want to work with dancers, of course, but also with athletes of any kind, like to be their mental coach is like a dream. Like I want to be a licensed counselor and help them so I was like what can I do to be productive right now (laughs) instead of just sitting on my couch stressing but I feel like you're on to something like something again everything is so geared toward athletes I think they forget about the the dancers side of it the performance side even actors yeah no right or singers or for me it feels like producer Dan tapping in (laughs) (laughs) it feels like there should be like a counterpoint to the coaches right and opens like a conversation around coaching because to really achieve at this extremely high level I'm sure that there, there does need to be people you know on your back getting you to do it at a young age and really creating that productively competitive environment Mm-hmm. But at what point, you know, does the environment cross over from being productively uh, competitive to destructively competitive, right? Completely. And, like, if someone like yourself with that experience could come in and change the structure from within and be a counselor to these people, or even if you were to just become a coach or something and can approach it from, you know, that yeah. side, um, I think it just opens a greater conversation around coaching and the structures in the dance world. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately where it stems from. I totally. think even for the coaches to say, hey, I think you need to be referred to somebody to speak to, or like, it's okay if you need to, or mm-hmm. everybody should be training, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I never had that. Definitely my teachers, my ballet teachers were never like, hey, have you thought about therapy? Like, that, <laughs> that wasn't a thing. But there are a lot of, um, actually, one that I've worked with a few times and I really look up to her, it's, um, a nonprofit that focuses on mental health for dancers. It's called Minding the Gap. And she was a professional dancer herself and struggled with mental health and left the business. And then years later came back and was like, I want to change the way that dancers are um, trained and the, the like perspective about mental strength. So she's done a lot of amazing work and she has workshops for coaches that they can go to and, and dance teachers great. that they can learn how to create a more productive environment. Mm-hmm. So I like love the work that she's doing her name's Kathleen Gaines and Minding the Gap is the nonprofit, and I really like applaud what they're doing and I hope that there's that that organization grows and that more people become a part of it and partner with them because that's where it stems from I think that more attention is needed on that. is there any governing body for the dance world in the way because like yeah there's the NCAA you know there's the Olympic Committee there's for um for athletes yeah, we protections. have um, like a union, like Joffrey's a part of AGMA. So Got it's, it. um, I always get the acronym. <laughs> That's I'm okay. not going to pretend that I know what All it stands right. for. <laughs> we can look that up. Yeah. But <laughs> anyone listening can look it up. Yeah. <laughs> it, 
musical guild for artists is like the second half but i never remember what the first a stands for but um yeah it's a union so like they they have resources available i think if you really like utilize them and go on and their website they i'm sure they will would um lead you to therapists or mental coaches but i don't know i haven't done my research to see like what kind of resources they do offer exactly but they definitely should there should be see, more it, it, my, my thought process piggybacking off of what you said is it's it sounds like a lot of this could be avoided if there were just support groups oh mm-hmm. yeah right true. you know if you just had a support group of dancers mm-hmm. who whether it's through phone or or online or or whatnot that you could yeah. Just be like, hey, I'm struggling. And then someone could say, hey, I went through this. Have you, you know, spoken to a therapist? Or if you're yeah. feeling like this, you could try this or, you know. Totally. Even just like within the company, if you're like for mm-hmm. a job for that, could be like, hey, guys, let's have a like a mental health um, check in. every Like month. a peer support. Yeah. Just be like, how are we feeling? What are we doing? Like, because it's so true. It's like if I twist my ankle in rehearsal or sprain my ankle, like I sit down, I get ice. Everyone's like, oh my God, you okay? You okay? Right. But, yeah, but this, if I run out right. of the room crying, everyone's like, don't talk about it. Right. You know? Never Not, happened. It, like, and that's a generic again for the ballet world. Yeah. Like that's just the culture. And it's getting so much better, of course, but like it's just less accepted because you're like, you have to be strong. You have to keep it together. Right. You just have that like pressure on you at all times. Right. I didn't even think about that, like an injury. Yeah, yeah it is like an injury. It could be but devastating. Yeah, that's what like was hard for me to perceive. I was like, but I'm physically fine. Like, why aren't I performing well or whatever? But it's literally a muscle. Like, your mind is not working correctly. Your body's mm-hmm. not going to work correctly. And of course, yeah, if you're dealing with, there's an element of like performance tactics and performance anxiety and things to work on. But also just, you're still a person. Mm-hmm. Everyone still has things that happen in their personal life. If I'm going through a terrible breakup or whatever, it is. It's going to affect my work in the studio, and yes. I have to learn your how to... physical and your yes. physical job. Yeah, exactly. So you, it's like it's something that needs to be like um, not prioritized, but accepted and understood a little bit more. And I think it is getting a lot better. Luckily, with the more I think it does need to be prioritized. I yeah, I genuinely do. And yeah. you do think that it's getting better. You think that yeah. more of this. Yeah, like I say, way back, I hope that high school, a private dance high school, would offer something in the way of this is something you have to know for the now and the future too. Yeah, that this is a tool. This is something to uh, utilize. Yeah, I think that in general, with like in society across the board, that mental health is becoming more prevalent. Absol- it definitely I think is. It, it has translated to the dance world as well, for right. sure. And like I said, there are people doing work for it. And since I started getting interested in it and involved like I have found those people that are passionate about it and I always love when I'm like oh my god you were like you're another advocate for mental health for dance yay like it's <laughs> it's there there are people that are doing Secret it and, I love and it. so you yeah. think you think if there was a support group in your own dance company you think that people would be open enough to attend I think so yeah if it was that's actually a, organized a good, that's a good gauge of what's happening yeah also the Joffrey is such well, a I yeah mean, they're fact, just like the best it's such environment an ever organization <laughs> Yeah. of human beings that uh, of all places I picture if it's going to happen anywhere it's going to happen there yeah no for sure I mean and that goes down like it depends on your environment like at any job there can be more toxic or less toxic work environment True. but yeah like Joffrey has the most amazing work environment and culture that like everyone is very supportive of one another and there for each other oh, on a personal true. and professional level so I think it would be a great place to have that kind of thing because everyone would I think re- um, react to it really well and participate but 
in ballet, that's not always the case. There are definitely still places that it's, it can be toxic and it can be really hard if, if you're going through it and you feel like you're the only one and, or that no one wants to have that conversation. And, or it's also the fact that ballet has limited funding in general, the arts have limited funding. So when you approach people about, Hey, I really think you should implement these resources in your company or your organization. It's like, yeah, okay. That sounds great, but we don't, we only have X amount of money and we need to use it to pay for all these other things. So at the end of the day, I, I understand there's reality and you can't always afford everything True. and you have to pick and choose. But even like you said, a support group is free. Mm-hmm. Like if all the dancers want to come together, like that's free. You don't have to have an on-staff mental coach for your dancers. Yes. Like, that would be great. It's free but... to post it and have peer, it's mm-hmm. like peer support. Right. Yeah. Which is the best, which is what we do in the police department. Mm-hmm. We have peer support. Mm-hmm. And so anytime there's an incident or, or anything, you know, you're going through a divorce or a breakup or oh, wow. having a terrible day for whatever reason. All you have to do is pick up the phone and a peer member will come talk to you. And it's 100 wow. percent confidential. So in my mind, I'm thinking this could translate very easily into the ballet world. Yeah. And I mean, that makes so much sense because, I mean, imagine the police department is a lot like you all yeah. have to go through. <laughs> Mental training is huge for that as well. Yeah. So that's interesting to hear about. I'd love to like more about that yeah. and implement that i like, was gonna how do say we do I, that i think i think when she leaves here she's gonna have another job <laughs> i'm down yeah I'll do it not that you need anymore but we have a great mini episode about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sure to send you the link yeah okay cool please do well this is this was so helpful i'm sure people listening of all you know all walks that are dancers not dancers even are getting a lot out of this so I also just thank like, you enough. I, I want to say that I was nervous to like do this because I'm like, I'm not like a qualified mental health professional or anything. Like I have so much to learn and I want to be one in the future. Like that's my mm-hmm. goal. But at this point, I feel like I'm very much just like if I if telling my story is helpful or just realizing that like people need to put more time and energy into their mental training. Like that's my goal. But yeah, I, I have so much to learn and I'm excited. To, but you're like, but you're get you're getting there because, boy, do you have it together? I mean, you're, <laughs> oh it, it really it's it's just such a a great balance that you're actually a dancer. You're you've gone through it. You're understanding and so articulate about it all. Right. So oh, but, I just but feel part like of the, part of the advocacy, like Nancy and I are not professionals by any means. Well, Nancy actually has a clinical but st- but still, License, I feel like we always say, yeah. but we, we say that we're we're not professionals in that, that field in the same way either. Yeah. And it's through life experience and, and passion, and knowing passion and yeah. knowing, uh, you know, a lot of this is really a national resource pa- podcast. And so that's what we're providing. That's what you're providing, mm-hmm. Coco, being here. And it's um, it's just as important. Yeah, I think it's like having the experience yourself is huge to be able to help others. Like something I love about the um, counseling center I'm interning with right now, all of their licensed therapists that are in the sports and performance wellness division, not all of them, but definitely the majority were collegiate athletes or professional athletes themselves who then became licensed professional counselors. Mm -hmm. So they understand completely. Like that's Mm -hmm. why they do so well with speaking to athletes because Yes, I mean, if you're a sports and performance coach, no matter what, if you were one, you're like an athlete yourself, I think it's helpful. But just knowing, having that extra experience of I was there, I've been in your shoes, I know exactly what you're going through. And I have the like education to back it and everything like that, for sure. 
but I just think it's a different level of understanding and connection. And you're the person you're talking to can really open up and be like, you really understand what yeah. I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Totally. One, one uh, question for people that are listening that are thinking, you know, that are dancers or athletes or what have you and thinking, I wonder if I need to go. I feel <laughs> I have anxiety. Like, you know, you're saying you had a lev level of anxiety to come on this podcast. Yeah. Everybody has a little anxiety. Um, I don't know anyone who has no anxiety. Yeah. Love to meet them. <laughs> um, but what what would you say, or I don't want to maybe say symptoms or signals that someone should pick up the phone or Google or reach out in whatever way to find help? I mean, I would say, like, if you at all think you maybe need it, do it. But I understand that it costs money. It's not like a free resource. I wish it was free for everyone. So, I mean, I would say I think try it for a little bit see if you feel better and then if you want to continue or continue or you're like no I think I'm in an okay place but I really believe that everybody has something they can work through everybody has like you said a certain degree of anxiety and I think everybody can better themselves and increase their happiness so I think that I I can't list like obviously there are severe symptoms if you're like are having panic attacks or if you're like right. struggling yeah. with eating or sleeping or whatever it is like of course but I think anybody who's an athlete, for one, definitely there's stuff to unpack. <laughs> there's stuff to unpack there for sure. That will only help your performance, I think. I don't think ever going to therapy would ever diminish your performance or like great advice. Be yeah. a negative in any way. No, I agree. So I would say go. But of course, I mean, I hope that everybody's able to get that, but I'm maybe maybe not. So that's great well advice. Said. Well, I think very well put resources are are easier to obtain now no getting, yeah. yeah they're getting and also, a lot easier even if you're on a budget yeah, yeah i was just going to say also as far as expensive uh, you know so many insurance companies are much better at covering this True. i wonder i have no idea if the category of of uh sports or performance wellness therapy isn't covered or is i really don't know the answer to that but um i bet it is i i feel like there is more and more help out there from insurance companies and um and and i and of all kinds of insurance plans knowing that they have to also look at this right so um it's don't it's worry don't discount Coco's it saying, gonna start her own business <laughs> right, so <right. laughs> hopefully one but, day but i would never discount you know say it's too expensive for me i would yeah. say look you know look it up because go through every insurance card has uh, on the back of it, mental health yeah. services, or sometimes it's called substance abuse and mental health services, but that's how you find it. Mm -hmm. And um, or just call your local NAMI. They may not true, hook yeah. you up with a, a you know a sports wellness person, but they may in a performance wellness, excuse yes. me, but they may connect you with a therapist. I mean, anything is better than nothing mm -hmm. for sure. And that's what part of my goal is like for any dance institution ever to have a like concrete list of references. You can speak to this person. Right. Like we're connected, and like ideally, hopefully, it would be like either they're like for a ballet company, whatever insurance they provide you, it's mm -hmm. covered by that insurance. Mm -hmm. Or if you're in like a school, if they can even bring in somebody up to do like guest lectures or something, some sort of free or very low budget cost to the performer to the dancer, just so that it's so easily accessible. Because yeah, people are like oh, I have to find a therapist. How right. do I find somebody? Like where do I go? And and like, I just want that to be easy. I want it to yeah. just be like, just like usually when you have an injury, like I'm dealing with an injury now and I have my physical therapist immediately through Joffrey, I go to them. I didn't do any of the work. It was all there, you know, like, so the same thing. If I'm 
I'm dealing something mentally and they're like, okay, so you're going to see this person. Like here right. she is, is your appointments on Monday at eight. Mm-hmm. Cause that's how it is when I sprain my ankle or right. whatever I do. Right. It should be that normal. Yeah. And just to piggyback off something that you said earlier, Coco, of just like, mm-hmm. just try it for a little bit. Something yeah. like CBT, like cognitive behavioral therapy, where you're really getting the tools that you can keep with you for the rest of your life, you know, yeah. where right. as if you do it for a little bit and then you leave and, you know, maybe it's just you can't afford it or whatever. Mm-hmm. You at least have the the tools in your tool belt now mm-hmm. that you can use these coping mechanisms and carry them with you in dance and beyond. So true. Totally. I mean, yeah, I've like there's been moments throughout my career since I've started speaking to a therapist. I speak to her more or less. And because you get to the point where I've learned tools in my right. toolbox, that's even what she calls it. She's like, you have your tools, you know what to do when X, Y, Z occurs or whatever. And obviously, I think it's always good to keep learning those tools and check Mm -hmm. in. But yeah, I now things that I would have called her about two, three years ago, I'm like, I know now I have like my resources. I know what to do for myself. I've done the training, so I know what needs to be done. And you take that with you. I guess you didn't realize how right you were that the work is hard, do you? (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, that that's like slogan is very true. But I think when I was 14, I didn't think that it meant mental. I was just like, (laughs) I I have to point my toes harder. I have to straighten my knees more, you Mm -hmm. know, crank my turnout. So it was I would love to like go to back to the high school and be like, the work is hard mentally and physically. (laughs) We do both. So, well, we're going to make terrific. T-shirt. We, we cannot thank you enough. This I can't really thank you guys enough. This has been thank an eye you. opener. It really, this is really, really interesting. You're such a beautiful person. I'm so oh glad you Inside here. and out. Yeah, so I nice. Mean, really. Thank you. No, this was, and thank you guys for making it so comfortable and so oh. easy to talk in. It was fun. Yeah. Get, another like, another fun day at Behind Our Door. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you guys. And thanks for like giving me the platform to talk about this and even create more awareness and not just this, like your whole podcast in general, the mental health awareness. I hugely applaud it. Thank thank you, Coco. Thanks so much. Thank you guys. Till next time. Don't forget. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We welcome your input to contact us or any of our guests. Please email us at behind our door at mail.com. That's behind our door at mail.com. And please don't forget to like and share our podcast. Um, leave us a rating. Tell us how we're doing. We really want your feedback. It's important to us. We are so thankful that you are here and listening to us. If you or someone you know is in crisis struggling with mental illness, you can call the National Suicide Hotline at 1 800 273 8255 or the NAMI Helpline at 1 800 9506264 until next time please join us for another conversation behind our door thanks for listening